Acts 16, beginning at verse 16, is where we're going to be starting out. Acts 16, beginning at verse 16. We've been in a series talking about uh, finding hope, and I want to continue that today. This will be the last one in that series. Um, And I'm telling you what, if you're here today and you're not sure why you're here today, there's a reason that you're here today. And God wants to speak to you, and I'm excited to see what his message is for you. But we're looking at, what do you do? What do you do when you find yourself in a pit? And it's so deep and so dark that you don't think you'll ever get out. In the first sermon that we talked about, we learned that sometimes you're following God, right? You're doing what you should be doing, and you still end up in that pit. Somebody throws you into that pit. You can be doing all the right things. And sometimes you still find yourself in the pit. And that's simply because sometimes people choose to do horrible things to people. People choose to hurt people. Remember, Joseph was sold by his brothers, by his very family, into slavery. Right? And then while he was a slave, and he, he, he got some kind of success in that role, somebody accused him of doing something he didn't commit, and he was thrown into prison. But we saw that God, no matter what man means to do to you or does to you, God can use that to save people, to bless people, right? We saw thousands of people saved through God changing that situation, right? And then the second series reminded us that sometimes somebody doesn't throw us in the pit. Sometimes we throw ourselves in the pit, right? Sometimes we disobey God and we saw that in the life of Jonah. He was, he was running for God, and we saw God pursue after him, though. We saw, even though he was running from God, we saw God corrected his course and brought him back. And we were reminded that when we screw up, when we mess up, when we choose to disobey God, when we choose to run God, there is a God who pursues us. There is a God who is patient and long-suffering, and he desires that none should perish. Well, today we're going to be Acts chapter 16, beginning at verse 16, and this has to deal with Paul and his second missionary journey. Paul was born Saul, right? He was a guy that used to hate Jesus and used to hate the church, wanted to destroy the church, but he encountered God, right, on the road to Damascus. And after that, God changed his name, and he ended up actually helping to spread the church, to build the kingdom of God. He's responsible for 13 or 14 books of the Bible. We're not sure about Hebrews. But I love that God uses this guy, Saul, that later became Paul, to start planting churches all over the, the world because he's like the worst possible person that God could have chosen to do that because of his history. I think God almost has a sense of humor, you know. Who am I gonna get to build my church? Oh, I'll choose the guy trying to tear it down. This will be great. This will be fun, right? Let's see what happens here. So Paul and his son command you start planting churches all over the world. In this passage, we're going to be in the city of Philippi. If you, if you know in your Bible, there is a letter to the Philippian church. That would have been from Paul to this church. I preached a little while ago about how this church started here. Remember, remember what happened? Paul wants to go to Asia. I really want to go to Asia and work over there. But the Holy Spirit opposes him. The Holy Spirit stops him, and he ends up going to Philippi instead. And and here's how God works again, because in Philippi, he meets a woman named Lydia, 
who, guess what, is from Asia. And later on, we'll learn that she returns with the gospel message to Asia. That's how God works. I want to go to Asia. No, go here instead. Why? I really want to go over here. Trust me, just go over here. And so Paul ends up having this experience, and that's just how to, God works. It's a, it's a reminder that we need to trust his plan, right? We might think we know the best way. We might think we know what's best for our lives, but he sees the big picture. He's not limited by being in one point in space and time. He's the alpha and the omega. He exists throughout time, and he knows what's going to happen, and he knows what's best for us. So if he's telling you no, or he's telling you go left, and you think you should go right, trust him. Go left. Acts 16, 16. This is right after the church starts with Lydia and her friends and her family come to know Christ. It says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So here's this woman who has the spirit of divination. Let this be a reminder to you, don't get involved in fortune-telling. There are spirits that we do not realize what they're doing. Don't open yourself up to that. This spirit enabled her to, to tell people's fortunes, and it brought her owners much money. They were rich, right? The girl follows them, and the text says, greatly annoyed Paul. Isn't it nice to know that somebody like Paul gets greatly annoyed with people, right? I think this is the only miracle that was performed because somebody got greatly annoyed. So not only does God use what appears to be the worst possible person to, to help spread his church, he also uses somebody who gets annoyed with people. That lets me know there's hope for me, right? And you, especially some of you. And I see that good can come from us getting greatly annoyed because it leads to confrontation. Sometimes there needs to be confrontation. It's not always a bad thing, right, when it's done correctly. But sometimes confrontation can lead to somebody being set free from bondage, right? When God says, you need to talk to somebody about that and have a heart-to-heart with them, talk to them, right? Do it with a whole lot of grace, but do it with a whole lot of truth, right? Verse 19, but when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers, And when they had brought them to the magistrates, they said, These men are Jews, and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. Notice how the the girl's owners react. Notice how they see this young woman. She's a source of income. That's all they see. And their source of income is taken away, and they they get mad. They don't rejoice that she's set free, right? They just come against Paul and Silas because their source of income was taken away. And notice they make up lies about them and level complaints. That really has nothing to do with what is going on here. Nothing to do with why they're really mad. They're mad because they lost their money. They say, though, these guys are disturbing our city. 
They advocate customs that are not lawful. No, they weren't doing any of that. Remember this, though. When somebody is mad at you and you don't understand why, sometimes it's because there's something going on underneath the surface. Sometimes it's something that you don't even realize is happening. You ever notice how mad some people get when they mention, you mention church or Jesus Christ? Man, you can see it. You can talk about God in our culture, but you cannot talk about Jesus Christ. It just brings out that, that anger. Sometimes people are just reacting out of hurt, though. Some things that are going on in their lives. Time and time again, I, I work full-time, and part of my job is code enforcement, where, where we talk to people about their yards and cleaning up trash and everything like that, and people are all the time mad at me when I come and talk to them about that. But here's something that I've learned, man. It's usually they're not mad at me. There's something else going on. I remember the last time I told you about the story. Uh, a lady had lost her kids, lost her kid, and uh, she was working a lot as a nurse, a lot, and she gets this letter from us, you know, and she came in and just ripped me um, but all that came out. Sometimes when people come against you, just remember to come back with grace and truth, right? Whole lot of grace and truth. Realize it might not be against you. Verse 22, the crowd joined in in attacking them, and the magistrates tore their garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Now, can you imagine me bringing you up here, stripping your clothes off in front of everybody, and then having you beaten with rods? I think sometimes we, we read that and we don't really take the time to really feel it, to really know what's going on you. I guarantee you the people beating these people with rods, they know what they're doing. We all know the good spots to hit, right? Knuckles, shins, man. I guarantee you those were some, some areas that these people were beating. I've told you this story, but me and my, my friends used to grab all sorts of things, like belts, uh, car antennas, um, yeah, those plastic nunchucks, right? Uh, sunflower stalks. Sunflower stalks make good things to beat people with, right? Sometimes we used to go up in my one buddy's room and cover all the windows and block out all the sunlight and just start swinging, you know, you, you catch an end of a belt buckle across your knuckles, man, that hurts. You catch a car antenna across your back, that hurts, right? Yeah, I don't know if you guys ever saw the movie Tommy Boy, but when Chris Farley takes that two-by-four across his face, and he's got that big welt, you know, that's what it reminds me of. That, that will leave a mark, right? That's what they took, though. Man, and, and, and much worse than anything we ever did to each other. Beaten. Beaten all over their body. Beaten till they're bloodied. Till they're black and blue. Then they're thrown into a prison. Man, the center of the prison. This would have been the pit area. Not nice places. So they're, so they're stripped. They're beaten. And, and on top of that, they're innocent. Right? They're innocent. They didn't do this. They didn't do anything to deserve this. They, they helped somebody. They set somebody free. And yet this was their reward for doing that. They didn't, they didn't teach anything contrary to Roman custom. They weren't doing anything like that. You keep on reading the text, and you're going to find out that Paul is more Roman than the majority of them. He's actually a Roman citizen. And this would have been a huge deal and would have given uh, Paul uh, much privilege and many rights. It's been speculated that Paul doesn't say something, doesn't say that he's a Roman citizen, because if he would have been let go, 
he might have feared that they would have taken it out on this new church. That's the speculation. I don't know if that's true or not, but you know how it is. Sometimes somebody's got to pay the price. And sometimes if somebody gets away with it, if they can't hurt you, they'll hurt somebody you care about. And I think that might be what's going on because Paul's not stupid. He knows if he says, hey, I'm a Roman citizen, they wouldn't have been able to beat him. He would have had to have some public trial. So he knows all this. Uh, so why doesn't he speak up? Let's see him following the example of Jesus on the cross here. Right? Jesus could have called down 12 legions of angels. He could have made it all stop, but he didn't because he cared for us more than his life. He willingly laid that down. He loved us enough to bear that because he knew it would bring us freedom and salvation. Verse 24, having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet into stocks. When people back then were, were put into prison, their feet would have been fastened in these wooden stocks. And so if you can imagine sitting on the ground and, and there's a board with some holes in it and another board and some chains that do that. So your feet, when you're sitting on the ground, are constantly up. It makes it very uncomfortable on your back. And I'm sure they probably would have just laid back. Sometimes you'd, you'd strap your arms in there too, sometimes your head too, and so you'd be stuck over in this horrible position. But even just having your feet fashioned in these stocks, their backs would have been laying on this wet, damp, cold ground. And I'm sure they probably wouldn't have been able to get much sleep or rest or, or get any comfort from this. Notice this though. In this position, after being stripped, after being beaten, here's where they make an impossible decision and to do something that should totally blow our minds. Verse 25, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. Here in jail, here in torture, here in pain, here with every nerve ending, I'm sure, I'm sure, shooting pain to their brain, telling them that, hey, following God might not be the best thing for you, right? Because this is what happens. Instead, it's, you know, a very painful thing to follow God. Or maybe their brain's telling them we're just trying to serve God, and this is the thing that we get. Instead of dwelling on that, though, they chose in that agony to pray and worship God. I wish it told us what they were singing, what hymns they were singing. Lord, you are way maker, right? Miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Paul's singing, that is who you are. They're just singing songs to God, though, in that moment. He's still good. He's still in control. He's still on the throne. He's still sovereign. He's still ruling the universe. They're choosing to rejoice, which presents us with a challenging example, right? That even when things are out of control, even when it's incredibly painful, even when it's unfair, even at midnight, right, you can still choose joy. You can still choose to worship in your pain. If Paul would have grumbled at this moment, man, totally get that, right? If Silas would have been angry, I wouldn't have said anything. 
I totally get that. I, even if they drop some swear words, man, I'd give that to them, right? I get it. I get it. You know, don't, don't apologize. I get it, you know. I'm fine if Paul and Silas would have just tried to get some sleep. It's midnight after a long day. It's midnight. I get it. Rough day. No. They're praying and they're singing hymns to God. They're worshiping God through this. When's the last time you're up at midnight praising God? Next time you wake up filled with anxiety, filled with despair, filled with worry in the middle of the night, man, worship him. Worship him. At this moment, they chose to pray, to talk to God instead of blame God. They chose to worship God over everything else that they could have done. And listen to what happens when they do this. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The Greek word for, for listening is much stronger than just, just randomly listening. It means that they, they listened with serious curiosity. They listened with much interest, with serious interest. What, what are these guys doing, right? What, why are they praising God when they just went through this situation? Man, my friends, can you be reminded that when you're dealing with things, right, people are watching how you deal with them. And if you're a follower of Christ, your response should be a lot different than how normal people deal with things. We experience pain, right, like everyone else. But we have the ability to praise and worship and find joy and peace in those situations that other people do not have. Well, the prisoners weren't the only one other ones listening because God answers with this demonstration of power. Verse 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. Notice, the warden's response to this miracle, the warden's response to God moving in power was to despair and to begin to take a series of steps that would claim his own life, right? Understandable, because with this Roman prison, if a Roman guard had anyone get out of their prison they would be faced with death. They would have been executed. So this man assumes they, they all left. They had to all leave. All the doors are open, right? Who wouldn't use this opportunity to bail? Who wouldn't run out if you're in prison, right? But not only did Paul and Silas not leave, but none of the other prisoners did either. These men worshiping in their pain somehow got everybody else's attention. God moving got everyone else's attention. Do you see this too? The man's decision to take his own life was based on one word. Supposing. Supposing the prisoners had escaped. Another translation says assuming they were gone, right? 
When it comes to God, there are so many people that don't know God that make assumptions about God that aren't true. They don't get it because they don't know him, and it's understandable, right? They suppose things. In, in response to God's power, they despair. This man thinks this is the worst day of his life, right? In that moment, he thinks it's the worst day of his life, and it's really going to be the best day of his life. Amen? It's just what God does, and it's exactly why you and I can worship when we're in pain. Because we can believe, we can trust that we serve a God that can turn everything upside down. No matter what was intended to harm us, to beat us down, right? No matter what somebody did to us, how somebody abused us, right? God can use that, turn that out to something that blesses you. The, the horrible times in my life were horrible. But I praise God for them because I drew closer to him, because I saw his hand in those moments, because I know that his word says he's close to the brokenhearted, and I felt his presence, and I felt his peace. I wouldn't trade those times for anything. I was, I was listening to the pastor at the CMA church. We had a meeting together, and he was saying, you know, his church got hit, like 100 people got COVID. Seven of them were hospitalized, including him. And he said, horrible time but one of the best situations in his life because it drawn near to God. That's who we serve. Man, if there's anyone in here or listening out there or is going to listen to the sermon in the future, if you ever come to the place where you make plans to take your own life, you would be doing so because you're assuming some things. Don't assume Assuming that there is no hope. Assuming that your situation can't get any better. Assuming that this is the worst time in your life. Let me tell you, there is a God pursuing after you. A God that can flip everything around. A God who can set you free. And if you feel like there is no hope, God is hope. And he wants to share himself with you. That jailer looked around, and what did he see? Darkness. Darkness. He didn't see the real situation. He didn't see what God had done, right? He didn't see reality. He, he lost hope. But the reality was everyone was still there. He just couldn't see it. Sometimes that's us. We just can't see and we only realize later when that light comes on, when that light is brought in, guess what? God is light. He is truth. Invite him into your life. I'm ticked off. I'm ticked off. I almost used the P word, but I know we're not supposed to use that word. But you and I have an enemy. That enemy is the father of all lies. That is his native language. He is a liar and a murderer right from our very beginning. He only knows how to speak lies. That's all he does. So he tells lies 
oftentimes lies aided by drugs and alcohol, right? We call the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit. We saw a spirit in here at the beginning of this story, right? You ever notice what alcohol is labeled in a grocery store? It's labeled a spirit. Man, my father was in bondage to that spirit till the day he died. We went to his home after he died, and we found cases and cases and cases of, of empty beer cans that he had drunk. And we found cases and cases and cases of full beer cans that he was getting ready to drink. That spirit was his escape, where he looked for peace, where he looked for hope, and it provided nothing but death. He listened to the father of lies instead of his heavenly father. And it ticks me off because it took him from me. The enemy told him, you drink this, you pop this pill, he was popping pills too, you'll get rid of your pain. And it was a lie because the enemy is a liar. And I pray you don't listen to him. I'm ticked off because I find myself believing the father of lies at times when it comes to certain things in my own life. I'm ticked off that some of us believe the enemy when he says church isn't important and you can miss it. Attend when it's convenient. Man, it's eternally important. Attend every chance that you can get. Bring your kids. Bring your grandkids. This father of lies speaks speaks that to them every day of their lives, your kids' lives. Man, this is a chance for them to hear truth. Soak that in, man. Make it a part of your life throughout the week. Read the Word of God with them. Have that quiet time with them. Have that, have that time where you just impart God's truth with them. If you're in the pit, look to Christ instead of these other spirits, whatever they might be. I won't tell you that the pain will go away, right, when you do that. I will tell you, though, that the pain doesn't need to go away. I will tell you that he can use the pain. He can transform the pain. The pain can be used for your good, for your neighbor's good, for your family member's good, and for the glory of God. It was with Paul in this situation And it came through worship. Embrace that, and you can find that the pain was worth it. Verse 29. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And check out what they said. Check out what they didn't say. You got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. No. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. You and your household. And he spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them that same hour of the night and washed their wounds. And And he was baptized at once, he and all his family. Worst day becomes best day. Then he brought them into their house and set food before them, and he rejoiced. He rejoiced, went from despair to rejoicing 
along with his entire household, that he had believed in God. Amen. You, you think the rods were worth it to Paul and Silas with that outcome? Man, in a matter of hours, he went from almost killing himself to rejoicing. The light came in. The truth came in with it. God is light. He is truth. His light expels the lies of the enemy. Some of you are in the pit, and you are listening to the enemy, believing his lies. You need to bring in God's word. You need to let that sink down into your heart and listen to that and, and grab onto it like a rock. Cling to it. No matter what the world says, no matter what it looks like, right? It looked like darkness. I'll trust God. I'll keep worshiping God because I know something else is going on and he can turn this helpless situation into something else. Talk to him. Pray to him. Worship him. Even in the pain. Because look what happens. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved. Temporary pain, man. It's worth somebody coming to know Christ. It's worth you developing your relationship with Jesus Christ and coming closer to him. At that moment, Paul knew there was a purpose. He knew that there was a plan. They got put in chains, and God used it so that this family could be set free. This family could come to know their Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ. The rods were worth it. What I want you to see is that worship can hurt, but it's worth it. Worshiping in the pit declares your dependence on God. It gets you out of the way so that, that God can work. It can lead to others finding faith. It's like a collateral blessing. You know what collateral damage is, right? It's like the opposite of that. When you say that, I'm going to worship God no matter what, you're going to be blessed with peace and joy like you've never experienced, even in the storm. And collateral blessings will happen. Generations in your family will be blessed. Let God use your situation. That's what worship enables. The pain is never wasted if you choose to worship. So what do we do? How do we do that? Three quick things and then we're done. Number one, don't rely on what you can see. Remember, jailers saw darkness. You may only see chains and, and a prison that you're thrown into, right? Look through it for the purpose. Trust God for the purpose, for the reason. Look for that reason to come out eventually. Trust that it will. Trust God and, and realize that there's things that you just can't see. Choose to believe God is going to use this for your good. Romans 8.28, we talked about that last time. Don't trust what you can see. Number two, train for the trial. You, not, you might not be in the pit right now, but a pit's coming. You will find yourself in those one day. Jesus said, hey, in this world, you're going to have trouble and trials, Right? Tough times will come, so train now while you're not in it so that you're ready when those days do come. How do, you, how do you get the faith to worship when your back's bloody? How do you get the faith to worship when your life falls apart? How do you get the faith when everything's crumbling all around you? Look back to verse 13. What is Paul doing? And on the Sabbath day, this is right before 
the passage that we went. On the Sabbath day, we went outside to the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer. It's the Sabbath, and what does Paul do? He goes to the riverside to pray, to worship, to honor God. That's where people used to meet together. For Jesus, it was a day of, of gathering together. This is a picture of the church. Gathering to pray and worship. We start in verse 16, and it says, As we are going to the place of prayer, a place of prayer. Isn't that how Jesus describes the church? My house shall be called a place of prayer. Churches, wherever there are people gathered together to pray and worship God. This is a normal part of Paul's life. And he's teaching this new church this habit. He's teaching them, hey, you gather. Make that a priority, right? You gather in prayer. You gather and worship God. Nothing's going bad here, right? They're still, they, they're praying. They're not praying for any problems that they have. They're just gathered in prayer. Sometimes the only time we pray is when something bad happens. Make this a priority, though, in what you do. Train for the pit so that you're ready when it comes. Today, like I said, we made church optional, haven't we? Come when you feel like it. And we aren't prepared for the pit. We aren't gathering. And so we don't have that base. And as a result, we're tired. We're spiritually tired. We're worn out because we're not getting that injection. We're not being filled to the fullness. We're not having our quiet time, spending it with him. We're too busy, man. That's, that's what happens in my life. I get too busy. And I can feel myself just going down and down and down. You're pouring yourself out. You're pouring yourself out. But you're never taking the time for him to pour into you. We're never like Mary and just sitting at his feet and letting God strengthen us, letting our church family around us encourage us, help lift those burdens, right? Make the gathering a priority. Don't skip it. Don't listen to the enemy. If you do today what others won't, you'll do tomorrow what others can't. That's like a motto of some firefighters who, who jump out of helicopters and planes and fight forest fires out west. That's what they said. If you do today what others won't, you'll do tomorrow what others can't. You want to worship God when your life is on fire? The secret to worshiping God at those moments is to worship God when your life isn't on fire. Develop the base, man. Every church service, every quiet time alone with God, be, be in his word let it speak to your heart. It's preparation for the pit. That's why the enemy lies. That's why the enemy tells you, hey, you don't need to come to church. Hey, you don't need to have a quiet time. You can have a quiet time later. Does that ever work out for you? Every time the enemy tells me I don't have to have my quiet time in the morning, I never have it later on. And that's why it ticks me off because I believe that. Man, if you, you don't feel like coming to church, man, that's the time you need to come to church. Something's going to happen. When you're regularly in your quiet time, when you're regularly gathering and church is a priority, man, you'll be ready for the pit when it happens. You'll just fall to your knees and worship because you know you serve a God that can change anything, change any situation. That hopeless situation, that mountain before you can be moved. 
He can do that. He can take you to that place. What the world means to harm you, he can change it for your good. Third and final thing, let God use your pain. Assume there is a reason for it. Assume there is a purpose. 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with a comfort with we are, which we ourselves are comforted by God. God gives you comfort so that you can comfort others. God brings you through, through things so that you can witness to that and encourage other people. That's a truth. There's another principle that goes beyond this. And I want you to, to listen to this. There's another principle that goes beyond that, though, in, in God's kingdom, we don't see the miracles happen by waiting. We see the miracles happening in God's word when we step out in faith, right? When we, see the, when we see miracles happen, it's when we give God something, bring something to him. We get to see God's hand. We get to see that thing that we bring to him gets multiplied, multiplied and given to others, multiplied and given back to us abundantly more. Remember, five loaves, two fish. Five loaves, two fish, feed thousands. And guess what? There's a ton left over. Can, can I encourage you? If you need God's comfort, bring somebody else God's comfort. Step out in faith and trust that that comfort's coming to you. Step out and give somebody that comfort, and I guarantee you, God will multiply it. He'll bless it, and he'll bring it back buckets on you. If you're hurting today, don't wait to receive it. Give it, right? That's a faith that can, that can sit in the pit and worship God. That's a faith that can sit in the unemployment line. That's a faith that can sit at the headstone. That's a faith that can sit at the hospital in the brokenness and still worship. That's a faith where everyone around you is listening to you intensely see what's going on. I remember sitting in the pit, seeing no way out of a helpless situation, and God telling me, worship me. And I'm like, that is, no, that is not right. That doesn't even make sense. And I remember hearing God's voice saying, worship me. And I tell you what, in faith I did that. And God's peace came into my life right away. Peace. Circumstances didn't change. They did within 24 hours. But even if they wouldn't have, that peace that God gave me would have been totally worth it. Worth it. Worship him when you're in that pain. Right? That, that's the kind of faith that is unshakable. That's the kind of faith that is unstoppable. That's the kind of faith that sees mountains moved. When you're not in the pit, I hope you make church a priority and your quiet time a priority and reading God's word a priority and being in prayer a priority. I hope you make it for your kids. I hope you make it for your grandkids. 
I pray that you set that example for them because I think there's, there's not many things that you can do that would be better for them when you're in the pit. Praise team, if you'd come up. I just want to end this service worshiping God. Maybe you're in the pit right now. This would be an awesome time to give it to him and just worship him and give him all praise. I hope you choose to worship God even in the pain because if you do, if you worship God, you turn your attention to God and you see that God is still on the throne. He's still sovereign. He's still all-powerful. He's God. And he can handle the situation that you're in. He can change the situation that you're in. He can bring hope to it. He can use it to bless you and to bless others and to bring people to faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Will you stand with me? Let's worship.
This is, this is your church family. Amen. We love you. We might not even know you. It might be your first time here. But we'd love to pray for you and stand beside you. So if the Spirit leads you, come on down. Amen?
Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. I don't know where you're at right now, but I pray that if your life is on empty, that he fills you full. 
I pray that if you need some friends and a family, that you find that here. I pray that if you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, that you realize it's as easy as believing and trusting in him and asking him to save you. And I promise if you do that, he'll take you on a ride. He's going to tell you, follow me. And I promise you that if you follow him, he'll turn your life upside down. Man, I've had people say, why do you believe in God? Why do you believe in God? Because he changed my life 100%. He changed my life 100%. He saved me. He fills me with his peace. He fills me with his joy. He reveals himself to me day by day. If you don't know him, man, I, I, I pray that you put your faith and trust in him. I pray that you realize, man, hey, I'm a sinner. I've done things I shouldn't have done. But Lord, I know you love me. I know you forgave me. I know you died on a cross for me to pay for those things that I've done. And Lord, I give them to you and I ask you just to, just to heal me, just to save me. And I'll give you my life in exchange. It's yours. Man, I pray that's your prayer today if you don't know him. My phone number is at the top of your bulletin on the back. You text me, you call me anytime. Reach out to somebody else in here. We got an awesome church. You need help. We'll stand next to you. We'll help you in any way that we can, right? And don't you dare think church is over right? Because you, you are the church, and we're going to take it out there, right? Because there are people out there that need to hear that message, and it's each and every one of our responsibility to deliver that message, to be a herald of that message. And so pray for those opportunities. When you're, when you're in the grocery store, right, and somebody comes through and you see that they're hurting, use those opportunities to share God's love and grace. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. Lord, I pray that you would right now be filling people full, people who are empty, people who are broken, people who are desperate, people who have been looking to other spirits. Pray that you'd remind them that you're the rock. You're all that they need. And I pray that they'd cling to you. And I pray that they'd, they'd rely on this body, this family that you've given them to help them in whatever they're dealing with. Lord, Father, help us to quit listening to the enemy. Lord, help us to be in your word day by day. Help us to be in prayer. Lord, we love you, and we give you all praise. And everyone said, amen, amen. amen.